This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, Truman Jones is on News Radio WGNS. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's not only a great mo- uh, morning, we've got some really special guests on today. Uh, Bill Allen, who is one of our great heroes from World War II and has done so many different things for the city of Murfreesboro. I am so happy to have you on again, Bill. I, I, it's been a long time since you have been on, but you brought somebody special, Miss Ida Lee, and it, it, it's almost like y'all have been together for as long as I can remember. <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievable. And, and the reason I can see Ida Lee coming is because she's got the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. How long have you been married? Well, it's coming Thursday. It'll be 65 years, Truman. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that something? You know, after you were in, in, in World War II, of course, you were at D-Day. And, and uh, the things that you have been through, both positive and negative, pretty much runs the gamut of, of, of a whole lifetime and all the many wonderful things that you've done. As bad as World War II was, it got so much better when you and Ida Lee met and got together. Well, we met in a sort of odd kind of a way. She was working at the bank and I was making deposits each day for the firm where I was working. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was how we got to know each other. Yeah, that was a special thing. But she she still glows when when you're well, around her. She's been a wonderful helpmate to me. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the greatest things that we can do is have the right person with us that we're going to spend the rest of our lives. And uh, you did it. Well, you you've been successful you. in almost everything you've ever done. Now you were at Mercer Electric, and we've got Ronnie Martin on today, who is. My favorite elected official here in Rutherford County because he reaches out and if he sees something that he feels like is wrong and and he does all kinds of research uh, to back up what he does, you you don't see many people like Ronnie. It's it's hard to get really good people to run for office these days because there's so many negative things that are following him and we're blessed to have Ronnie, aren't we? Well, I'm afraid politicians have taken over instead of statesmen. Yeah. And as you say, a statesman, he's not going to fool with all the dirty politics he has to go through now. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm afraid it's going to affect the future of this country. Yeah. I mean, whether it's local or national, but um, 
November the 4th is going to be a big, big day for our country. And I hope it goes according to what we consider the normal uh, American-loving citizens that we've got. And they appreciate what you have done as far as our heroes uh, all, all through the times that uh, people have had to serve for our country. And, and, and I remember when you were on uh, national television, when you took the trip back to uh, Normandy. Yeah. And, and uh, they treated you like, you know, the heroes that you were. It, it, isn't it that something? And we've got people over here that. You still, uh, you still call me a hero, right? Yeah. Truman. Yeah. I'm a survivor. Same thing. <laughs> The, the heroes are not the only ones that are buried over there. It, the ones that survived it and came back home. Uh, the good Lord was blessing you at that time, wasn't he? Well, I, sometimes I get discouraged. Yeah. Uh, th- this is not America we're living in today. Wearing these masks and you can't go to church. Churches are closed. You can't have meetings. You can't go to sporting events. That's not what we fought for. And you sure didn't fight for those people that are over there rioting no. every day. And the ones that won't stand up for our flag. There, there's something wrong with those people. But, you know, a long time ago, I guess, I can remember when you made a deal and a handshake was as good as a signature. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to worry about all the legal problems that it would bring. Yeah. But uh, we're long gone from those days now, I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, it's going to return. I think we've got the right man in office in Washington, and I think it's going to uh, keep coming back. I, I, he's strong enough to get things done that would bring us back to the the – God-loving country that we've always been. Well, my prayer is that we'll elect a good leader. I'm not interested in the party. Yeah. Uh, but I, I am interested in strong leadership, and I think that's where we have failed. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I don't think Mr. Trump has been given a fair opportunity he has been fought on every decision. He, they haven't, the Democrats haven't agreed to anything. Yeah. And it's hard to do a good job when you're constantly being beat down. Yeah. I think if they had tried to work together, we would have been far better off. And that, that is what I would like to see is some coordination. And, and the party is all right. But don't put that as a number one goal. Yeah. I think the nation is a number one goal. To, uh, the duty, if you're elected, to go to Washington. You know, Ronnie, you were uh, contacted uh, by Bill. Well, you called Bill. I did call Bill. And yep. you had heard some of the things that were going on um, that affected Murfreesboro Electric. And, this, of course, this is... Uh, well after the sale right. from Middle Tennessee Electric. Uh, uh, tell us exactly what was, what was happening during that time. Well, so as, 
as the city of Murfreesboro went through the transition to sell the assets of Murfreesboro Electric, uh, one of the one of the outstanding um, um, problems or or pieces of business that needed to be resolved was what do you do with the pension that's there? Who handles that? That was negotiated as as a part of the sale, mm-hmm. and it was agreed that Murfreesboro would keep the pension, and then we also had. Um, you know, uh, post-employment benefits for current retirees. And so we had to kind of manage how that was done through MED and how it would be transferred to the city of Murfreesboro. And so what you found is, like happens probably pretty frequently, when two different organizations come together, there's some differences. And so when yeah. when you try to com- combine pensions and combine benefit plans, there's always some differences in those things. And I think... Um, you know, we, we we did not do the best job initially in communicating with uh, Murfreesboro Electric retirees about what was different about those things and what our plan was. And so we could have we could have done better about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ultimately, what we wanted to make sure we did, and the council was very supportive of this, was we did not want um, retirees to be negatively impacted because of the sale of MED. And so we, we took a couple of steps back and said, Hey, we want to make sure we preserve the benefits that retirees had. Uh, we want to make certain that, you know, we're sensitive to that, um, because the retirees didn't make the decision to sell the electric department. The city council did that. And so, um, you know, I'm happy the council was very supportive to, to do the right thing and put those benefits in place. And, and I'm glad we got those taken care of. Yeah, and, and you remember I had a call from uh, uh, one of the people when they received letters. Right. They were not notified anyway, except they received letters that part of the benefits was going to be taken away from. Right now, how how in the world did that pass on without you guys being able to be contacted? Well, so I think you know. Um, the the city manager no no government is perfect right no people are perfect no person is perfect I think what you saw was the type of government that we have where you had a city council that most people would look to to say the city council is responsible for making these decisions mm-hmm. well the reality is the city council doesn't run the city day in and day out we've got yeah. a city manager that runs the city day in and day out yeah. and so I can't. I haven't talked uh, personally to Mr. Tyndall about how this happened, or to Pam Russell, who's head of HR, who I think sent the letter out. I don't know exactly how we got to the place where they felt like that was the appropriate thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know, and I, I explained to Mr. Allen this, and and other folks that called me that. The council was unaware of changes that were being proposed to current retirees. The city city council just was not aware of that, yeah. um, at least to my knowledge, I was not aware of it. And so when we saw that, uh, that was one of those things where, you know, you hope your elected officials do, you know, the right thing. And I think the council did. And we said, hey, you know, this is not we, – we would not have agreed to change benefits for retirees. And so because we would have not agreed to do that, we, we gave some direction for the city manager to, to kind of backtrack on that and he did that and um, we're to get those we got those things fixed would that be in the realm of a city manager's responsibility to do something that affects employees uh, like and especially those that have been there seemingly forever and right. and, and, and and ran one of the best uh, 
departments there was in, in the city of Murfreesboro, maybe the best, because, of course, I have a, a lot of love for that particular department. Right. And, but wouldn't the city manager, something that would uh, take away some of their benefit, wouldn't he uh, initially contact you guys? It, 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 I think that would be the normal reaction. So I think it's a very fair question. I think um, what you, what I'm continuing to learn as a city council member, you know, I've only been on the council for two years, mm-hmm. is that you, like any business, you hire the right folks to do the job. Uh, those folks are not perfect. They don't make perfect decisions. Uh, sometimes you question some of the decisions they make more than others yeah. from a sensibility standpoint. But uh, not knowing the exact thought process of you know why that was originally decided, I, I can't speak to that. All I can yeah. tell you is uh, I feel very, very strongly that the council was unaware that that happened. And in, in the current city manager council form of government that we have, you know, um, the best we can do is uh, when things like that happen, bring those things up, bring them to the city manager's attention. We did that um, and, and try to fix them. So, you know, if the alternative would have been, you know, if, if uh, our mayor, Shane McFarland, for example, was a full time mayor and was was making those decisions, it'd be real easy to point at Shane and say, hey, you're the full time elected mayor. Why did you do this? Yeah. Well, we don't exactly have that form of government, folks. Folks want to hold us accountable, and we should be held yeah. accountable. But we have to also understand that we all have jobs. We work, you know, normal jobs day to day. We're not full time running the city, and so we have to put some trust and faith in the folks that we hire to do that. And and my hope is that after you know, when you have things like that happen, and we correct them, that you know, you hope you get a better result moving forward, and things like that won't be done in the future. Well, you know, the sale of Murfreesboro uh, Electric was uh, uh, not accepted a whole lot by the citizens in Murfreesboro, as we know, because they have received such, such great service right? Uh, er, ever since they, they've been open. And, and it, it, it just um, it, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. You were the only one that voted against the sale, as I remember. That's right. And, and, uh, and, and you, you actually fought. Up until the last minute, and then the last day, of course, it was obvious that right. the, the rest of them had decided to sell it. And you did your homework. You did a lot of background on Murfreesboro Electric, what it's meant to the city. And um, I, I know it uh, it had changed when, when Bill was there, of course, uh, the city decided to... What was it that you... Um, uh, saw when Middle Tennessee Electric bought them. What was it? Did did you see that kind of gave you a little bit of a negative feeling? What was going on? Yeah, I think you know, I, my opinion, the position that council members are in constantly is you know we're trying to be experts in everything that goes on, and it's really difficult to do that. Yeah, right. It's hard to do that. So. That's why you have uh, senior staff, city manager, city attorney, those kinds of folks. You, you lean on those people to be resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had my first experience, you know, MED, the sale of MED was really my first experience in seeing that, you know, um, there are, despite the research that you do and despite the opinion that you that you see presented, you know, 
individual bias works its way into those discussions. Yeah. And it's very hard. People don't come in and say, hey, here are the facts uh, and leave out what they would like to do. A lot of times what they would like to do is very instrumental in building a case around what they would like for you to consider. Mm-hmm. And so that was a that was an, a very interesting learning moment for me to say that, hey, you, you depend upon the staff um, to have their expertise, uh, to learn from them. Uh, but you've also have to do some of your own checks and balances with with verifying what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what you're talking about. What was frustrating to me is as I dug into some of that information, uh, you take the, the size of Murfreesboro Electric. That's the easiest thing. Uh, you know, we were talking in the analysis about what a small utility Murfreesboro Electric was mm-hmm. and how difficult it would be from a you know, uh, capital investment standpoint, replacement of assets standpoint, you know, it's a very costly business. All that's true, uh, except for the fact that when you look on a national scale, how many small public utilities there are, there are close to 10,000 in the United States, hmm. and where MED uh, ranked in that hierarchy. And in fact, MED was at the top. Wow. So when you talk about relative terms, small is probably not the right word to use and again you know we we've made the decision to sell the utility i just raised that as an issue of what was frustrating is having to figure out when you're reading the information that's given to you how accurate what perspective whose bias are you waiting through that that makes it more challenging so that was tough yeah did, did uh, the city manager uh, did he relate any particular reason why he decided to do what he did Well, yeah, I would say the most important reason would be um, in his discussion with other council members, the council was in support of that. And so, you know, you don't I I don't believe that uh, Craig Tindall, you know, our city manager uh, and 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 look, you know, I'm tough on Craig sometimes, but but Craig has a lot of gifts. He's very bright. uh, He's very articulate. um, He's very detailed. Um, there are a lot of gifts he brings to the city of Murfreesboro. And so one of those things we have to remember is, you know, <clears throat> and, and this is kind of a frustrating thing to learn as a new council member. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's this emphasis on votes, how, you know, counting your votes. How many votes do you have for anything that you're doing? And, and in our form of government, you need four votes to basically but pass But wouldn't something. that be shared with everybody? Well, Yes. Something like that. Should should be and was. We all met with Mr. Tindall uh, when we went through that exercise. But mm-hmm. I think, like anything, uh, and again, this is all speculation on my part, Truman, that, you know, there were some council members that were, were obviously more for that than others. There were some in the middle um, trying to be, you know, convinced, waiting to be convinced. But I think there were some others that came into that that really wanted that to happen. And when you feel like you've got the majority vote of the council that wants something to happen, I think it gets easy to package the information the way the majority wants you to package it. That's fair. But it it really isn't fair when you think about it. Well, um, obviously, I voted no, so I I didn't totally approve of that process. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know... We're in a place now where I had a meeting with the city manager yesterday where we were talking about potential use of those proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very good meeting. Uh, he had done a tremendous amount of work to uh, basically show how the assets of MED could be invested in Murfreesboro while being preserved long term. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, if if we can deploy those dollars and um, invest them in uh, roads and other things that benefit the citizens and benefit our community and still preserve um, a large amount, maybe maybe even the majority amount of that money long term, mm-hmm. um, that's a good thing. And I'm not going to say it's a better thing than having our own local utility. Uh, I'm not sure I or any of the council members have enough expertise to really know what was best about that long term. We did the best we could with the information we had and move on. Now, what wasn't, weren't the retirees <clears throat> supposed to be taken care of? the way they were when, when this deal was made. Absolutely. And I can tell you, um, I, I had some discussion with Chris Jones, the CEO of uh, Middle Tennessee Electric, about yeah. this because I really wanted to, you know, now Middle Tennessee Electric is our utility provider. Yeah. They're, uh, they're an economic development, you know, partner in the city. Um, they'll do some things um, to help us as a community, uh, as they should. But, you know, Chris, when he and I talked about this, he, he was very much in support of making sure that the retirees got what they were promised. Um, and so, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that he knew that I was not being critical of Middle Tennessee Electric mm-hmm. in terms of what the, what was happening or not happening related to the retirees. I really saw that as a city responsibility, not as Middle Tennessee Electric's responsibility. Yeah. And so as I was critical of what we did or didn't do about that, I didn't want him to think that I was I was being critical of him personally or Middle Tennessee Electric. It was more about us honoring what I think we should do, you know, from an integrity standpoint as a as a city to those folks that serve us and have have worked and retired and, and given a lifetime of work to the city of Murfreesboro. I and mean, that's important. And, and again, it wasn't just me there, you know, the entire council was supportive of that. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some of the best employees that I can ever remember over yeah. at Murfreesboro Electric and, and uh, Bill, uh, I didn't know it until we were sitting here talking that, uh, you have retired from being over, uh, the golf course down here. And, um, I hate to hear that you retired. Now, I know you've got to take care of Idly, and you guys have got to go out and travel and party and dance. Yeah, party and dance and do do special things. But um, it, it, it's uh, it's hard to give those things up that you have taken care of for all these years, isn't it? Well, I had been involved from the very beginning. Yeah. Back in uh, 1983, Willis Turner. Myself was playing golf one Sunday afternoon at the old squirrel run out on Shovel Pike. And we came up on the last hole. And I said, Willis, it's a shame that we don't have a golf course other than the country club. Yeah. Now, I'm not opposed to the country club, don't misunderstand me. But I don't swim. I don't play tennis. Golf was the only habit I had. And the dues was more than... I thought it was worth for my golf playing. A little so, high. Yeah. So Willis said, well, I tell you, said, let's try to get one. I said, you draw up a petition. I'll circulate it. And we'll go to city council. Well, we did, and we went to first January meeting of uh, 84. Uh, Joe Jackson was mayor. I presented my case. Joe said to Bill, said, we need the golf course, no doubt about it. But said, there's no money. 
said, we just can't afford one at this time. I thanked him and started out, and I realized someone was following me. It was Tom Reed, city uh-huh. attorney. Yes. Tom said, Bill, let me congratulate you. You got us a golf course. I said, Tom, one was one listing. I said, they turned us down. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, but said they made a mistake. They admitted we needed, we needed one. one. <laughs> said, can we have lunch together tomorrow? I got some plans. I said, sure. So we had lunch together, Tom himself, mm-hmm. laid out some plans upon the ad hoc committee, Ed Phillips, Willis Turner, and uh, Shirley Haley, Dalton Stroop, maybe two or three others. Those are great names right there. I know the greatest supporters, but he wasn't on the group. Yeah. But uh, we began to work then and came up with some plans. We sold memberships. $1,200 for $1,000 cash. We went back. I had over 100 checks. Wow. I spread them out. And I told the city council, I said, you were wise when we presented a petition. A lot of names on there was just to support us. Mm. But I said, I've got checks here, and I don't have a check that anybody gave me $1,000 for that didn't intend to play golf. I said, now, this is encouraging. We're going to build a golf course. If the city wants it, all right. If not, we're going to proceed on our own. Mm. We had had the athletic director at the MTSU, uh, State Farm, uh, every industry in town spoke in favor of it. I guess close to 9 o'clock, Joe said to uh, Bill, I'm going to cut this off, but I think we've had enough discussion. <laughs> said, I'm ready to call for a vote. Well, did, and it passed unanimously. Wow. So that was the beginning of it. Yeah. Well, a day or two later, we had asked for our commission to be appointed to oversee the operation of it. Joe called me. He said, Bill, I want you to be chairman of this golf commission. I said, Joe, I can't. I'm a city employee. I just have so much vacation. I'm not going to deprive my family of time together. Yeah. I, I, I can't do it. Well, I said, you think about it. I said, Joe, there's nothing to think about. <laughs> day or two later, I got home for lunch. And I at least said, you got a letter here from city attorney. I opened it was a letter from Tom Reed clearing me of any conflict of interest. So I thought, well, that's all right, but I still not go spend all my time. The next morning, Larry Kirk himself was down in the lounge drinking coffee. Everybody cleared out except Larry himself. Larry said, the mayor called me a while ago. I said, well, who's unhappy now? <laughs> They were always calling to have a truck run over a rose bush or leave a track or something, you know. No, he said, it's not that. that He wants you to be chairman of this golf commission. I said, I told him I couldn't do that. I don't know why he keeps on. Well, he said, I told him you could. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about, Larry? I'm not going to take all my vacation. 
He said, we're going to add that to your job description. He said, we don't do enough public relation work. He said, I think that'd be good for the electric department, and you'd do a good job. Yeah. Well, that afternoon, Joe called me. He said, you ready to go to work now? I said, Joe, I should have had more sense than flew with a politician. But, <laughs> but uh, that was the beginning of it. That's a good story. And on the original golf commission was uh, Ed Phillips, Willis Turner, Dick Baines, Alan Richardson, Steve Fitzhugh, and Joe. He said, I'm off to be the representative from the council on it. So we started work then, and that was the beginning of it. We hired our architect and uh, went to work. And then in fall, August of 85, we hit the first golf ball and played the first game. Wow. Do you now, remember I, what you shot? Pardon? Do you remember what you shot that day? you remember everything else? Oh. Right? He sure does remember everything. I know. Yeah, it poured down. It poured down. One of the hardest rains I've ever seen. I thought it was going to wash everything right down Stone River. But you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, just you go one ahead. more thing. Yeah, and I know it's your you show. Got, I'm just trying to get in. Uh, the guy, that, come here. The guy that made made it okay for you to be on that uh, golf commission is right. He's standing behind you right now, Larry Kirk. <laughs> well. <laughs> No, you were blaming him. Go ahead, Bill. I want to hear this stuff. <laughs> not, not a better friend in the world than Larry Kirk. He's a great man. Yes, he is. He did a great job over at Mercer Electric. He, he really is. Um, yeah, go ahead, Ronnie. Thanks, Ruben. Uh, how, Bill, how was that site chosen for the golf course? How did we – was that a park already where the golf course is? How did, how did, how did that site get selected? I didn't understand it, right? The golf cart or the golf course site where it is, um, how did you choose that location? The city had that property. Okay. In time before that, they had built an amphitheater out there right in the bend of the, that river. Okay. It's own river. And built a nice amphitheater and had uh, two or three uh, good plays. Had some little dressing rooms built around there. Okay. But just one problem, they had mosquitoes down there to take you off and eat you. They didn't eat you there. They could pick you up and carry you. So, and then it became, uh, well, a, a bad source. There's yeah. all kinds of uh, beer cans and other uh, debris that uh, you don't need. It just fell into disrepair. Okay. And uh, But they had that land. Already, we did not have hardly enough land. We needed some land across the river, and uh, there's a local developer here in town owned that land uh, through Joe and Tom. Uh, they talked him into giving enough land across the river where uh, we've got about three holes. Uh, he was going to build apartments overlooking the river, but uh, some we got the land, but the apartments they did develop there. But anyway, uh, it's tight. We have a driving range that we can't use our uh, wood zone. I wish we had a little bit more room, but 
we're wedged in, and it's just nothing we can do. Right. But uh, we were forces. The first year we operated with a boy was a golf pro, but uh, he didn't like Sunday work. He didn't. He stayed with about a year and left. We found Tracy Wilkins came to us. He'd been at the golf course in Memphis. Mm. His home was in Nashville. Married a girl from down Brownsville. And the golf pro there in Memphis, where he was, left and went up to Crossville. Stonehenge, I believe it was, golf course there. He wanted Tracy to go with him. But they, he wanted to stay between Nashville and Memphis somewhere. So he came to us to help us out while we was looking. He was a country club man. He got percentages of everything. Mm. He just couldn't accept the fact that we paid him a straight salary. But uh, after he came with us and learned some of the personnel, he began to change his views on things. Tracy stayed with us and retired. Ann stayed with us and retired. Some of the greatest additions that in my opinion, we were able to brought to Murfreesboro. We had a, a superintendent done a, a fair job for us. Hey, At the end of the first year. Hey, Bill, we need to take a break right now. Okay. And then we continue on. Okay. And I don't know how in the heck you remember all this stuff. Man, he does. We're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Bill Allen. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. You don't have hot dogs or apple pie or no Chevrolet to drive, but we have some hickory smoke wings you're just dying to try. You'll try them, you'll like them, you'll give some to a friend. So on a dare, just stop on by and bring in a friend. Slick Pig Barbecue, 1920 East Main. This is Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers, and we invite you to stop by and see our beautiful remodeled showroom and new items that we've gotten in, make you a wish list for any upcoming occasions, and have your jewelry clean while you're here. We'll be happy to clean and check your prongs and make sure everything is in top shape for you. Bell Jewelers, the oldest retail store in Rutherford County. Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad, across the street from Toots. This portion of the show brought to you by Mabco. How do you feel about two for three dollar Lay's or Cheetos? What about regular M&Ms for only a dollar? These are just a handful of the sweet deals you'll find right now at Mabco. You'll be surprised how they always have great deals for your everyday cravings. And don't forget to download their My Rewards mobile app to earn points toward items like ice-cold fountain drinks and even fuel. The app is available for both iPhones and Androids. Stop by and save at your local Mabco today. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. A man is facing charges after he allegedly assaulted a woman, kept her in her bedroom for two days, and took her phone so she couldn't call for help. 
Deputies responded to the home August 16th after the woman reported 32-year-old John Scalf allegedly assaulted her. Victim's face and arms were bruised. Scalf allegedly told deputies he hit her in the eye a few times. He said he gave her a phone to call her mother, but she instead called sheriff's deputies to come help her. Scalf was booked into the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center, released later on a $5,500 bond, and has a court hearing set for October 1st. The graduate chapter of the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority has partnered with MTSU to make and distribute 5,000 COVID-19 care packages for returning MTSU students. The packages contain hand sanitizer, wipes, empty strong face masks, booklets with frequently asked questions, and other COVID-19 information. The idea was the brainchild of the graduate chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. University Anna's Fraternity and Sorority Life Office partnered with the sorority to coordinate the campus and community volunteers to assemble the packages and provide the items inside. MTSU's fall classes began Monday with a mix of in-person, online, and hybrid classes. Masks and face coverings required inside all buildings, and social distancing rules are in effect. Universities modified a number of indoor facilities, such as the Student Union Ballroom, to provide classroom space with proper social distancing between students and faculty. Residence halls have been reduced to single occupancy rooms. There's a link to MTSU's reopening plans, updates, and more information at WGNSRadio.com. When news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Why join a credit union? Credit unions offer the same services as banks but are not for profit. Credit unions are owned by their members, not Wall Street investors. Credit unions are among the highest rated services ever evaluated by Consumer Reports. Need another reason to join a credit union? If you join Heritage South Community Credit Union now through June 30th, you could win $2,500. Sounds like a good reason to me. Learn more at HeritageSouth.org. Insured by NCUA. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few scattered showers and storms here this afternoon with partial sunshine developing at a high around 90. Winds out of the southeast around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 70. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. All right, Bill Allen, we were in right in the middle of the story of the development of the golf course here in Murfreesboro. 
And do you remember where we left off? Yeah, I think we were. I'm the only one. That, I'm probably <laughs> the one that doesn't remember, I'm sure. Talk about a superintendent. Uh, he was with us into the first year. We were going over the figures, what we had done. And he made the remark that, well, I want my part out of this. I said, what are you talking about your part? Well, he said, you're going to get your part. I said, I'm not. I even pay when I play. I don't have a part in it, and you don't either. So we got like uh -oh. that pretty. So he left pretty quick, and we had another boy, Joel Beckham. I suggested we give him a chance at it on six months probation. But Joel took off in three months. Every one of them said, he's the man we need. And he was. Joel built that course. He improved it. And when I left, and I'm sure it's the same way now, it was the number one municipal course at the state. Yeah. Uh, the PGA had tour school here for several years. And many of the golfers wanted to come back. But they said, we can't just take one course we have to spread it around right but we've had some uh well-known golfers gone on played there got their start there and uh but we got a boy there now uh trey adams from down mississippi mm -hmm. doing a good job he replaced tracy we got a boy marty mayo superintendent now joel retired both of them doing a continuing to do a good job, and uh, I feel very good about the course that I've checked over there. We've had the best summer we've had in well ever, I guess, even with the virus like it is. So uh, that's the only chance they've got to escape. Pardon? That's the only place they can get away from being quarantined at home. Well, <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, the golf course has opened up over yeah. here, and, and they have done a great job. Of course, they, you still have social distances, but, uh, um, uh, but you think usually, about golf, that's, that's a great way of uh, usually, an outlet. Usually in the extreme hot weather, yeah. your play drops off. Yeah. But uh, it hasn't this year. It, it's continued right on through. So I think that's encouraging and uh I still believe that we have a great future for the golf course here. It's my favorite course. I don't play a lot, but when I play, that's my favorite place to play. You know, I bet you Bill has done something that you haven't done on the golf course. For sure, he's done a lot of stuff I hadn't done. <laughs> have you ever shot your age? True, and I wish you wouldn't talk about my game too much. <laughs> I, I mean, there you are. You're in that perfect age group to shoot your age. I was a bogey golfer and had to work to do that. So You can get a lot of bogeys and still <laughs> shoot your age out there, Bill. How old are you now? I'm 95 now. That doesn't seem possible. No. When I'm around you and Ida Lee, you, you guys look 20 years younger than, than that. I mean, you really do, even more younger than that. It's, it's unbelievable. And you went through the most, probably the most horrible time of World War II, D-Day, when you guys, um, uh, I don't know who planned it, but 
it was a tough, tough day and, and tough, tough weeks during that time, wasn't it? Well, I, I don't tell it to be a I was just victim of God was taking care of me. Yeah. But when your ship had been blown completely in two, stern this way, the bow that way, you're going down, and you know time's going to run out. You're five miles from Omaha Beach. Now, I can't swim five feet, let alone five miles. So the only choice I had was stay on the ship and drown or take off swimming and drown him. I had no future. It's just for some unknown reason, just about the last seconds, I heard somebody holler, Bill, Bill. I looked out over here on the port side. The medic from down Mississippi, Jack Baldwin, died a year ago this month. They got a life raft loose. He said, don't swim. Don't jump. He said, you can't swim. I hear this water's too rough. He said, I believe I can get in there to you. Well, he was back in a safe area. He was 100, 125 feet out there. But when that valve went under, it created a suction. It pulled everything in with it. But he never slowed down. He never paused. He started coming to me, right back into the danger area. He got, I don't know, I guess 15, 20 feet. I said, Jack, I can jump that far. And darn near did. We got on the life raft. And if we started trying to get away, we picked up four soldiers. Two of us hurt extremely bad. In fact, one of them died before we got rid of him. But uh, the other two wasn't hurt too bad. But as soon as we got them, we started trying to get back far enough where we were safe. Yeah. I don't know how long we was on the life raft. I usually say about 30 minutes. That could be 15, 20 minutes either way. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were picked up by... Small boat, LCVP, uh, Higgins boat, maybe you've heard of that. Supposed to carry about 25 people. But it wasn't big enough to fight those swells. They were, I think they said eight or ten foot swells. We started into the beach, the first aid station, and uh, just no way we could, could make it. So he pulled up alongside a lifted ship, and they took us in. And uh, the old skipper told Jack and myself they carried the Army people somewhere else. But uh, I think they transferred them on to a hospital ship. But the old skipper told Jack and myself, say, go down together and get you a cup of coffee. Something to eat if you want it. We did. Couldn't swallow couldn't swallow a bite. Mm -hmm. We were sitting there. Old Skipper came through, laid his hand on his shoulder. He said, you boys have had a hard day today. He said, go on down there to the passageway. I've cleaned out a compartment for you. 
go to bed. Maybe you can rest a little bit. We did, but there was no rest. We twisted and turned and flip-flop. You close your eyes, we relived it. You kept our eyes open. We relived what we'd gone through that day. Sometime after midnight, I rolled over. Jack said, Bill, you sleep. I said, Jack, I think I'll never go to sleep again. Yeah. He said, I can't sleep. I said, let's get up. We did. Went out on the open deck. A little beach sitting back next to the bulkhead there. We took our seats on that beach. Pitch black. Every once in a while, battleship back here goes firing over. They'd fire back. We'd sit there and watch a tracer bullets. I got thinking about those that had been killed. And I thought, here I am still living. I didn't know she existed at that time. I had parents. But fella slept here. He was married. One over here was married and had a child. I'd been raised in Sunday school. It's hard for me to believe that the God that I had been taught about would permit something like that. I thought, I believe I'm an atheist. I, I, I don't think it, the God that I know would permit that. But what about that life raft and that bow stopping long enough for us to, was that luck? No. Maybe it was. I don't think so. Just before we got hit, I had got into an army truck with two soldiers. We were talking. They kept the debris from coming down, either killing or, or certainly hurting us. Was that luck? Every time I think about another that died, I think about somebody I'd been protected. I had the greatest argument with myself that I've ever had. Sometimes, before dawn, in the early hours of the morning, June the 20th, 1944, on the far side of the world, no chaplain, no minister, I finally convinced myself that luck hadn't carried me as far as I had gone. It had to be a power far greater than luck than God. The next day was a little bit better. We could swallow a little bit. Eating came back sooner than our sleep did. Yeah. But uh, we was on that ship some less a week, five, six days maybe. Picked up and carried back to the R&R camp. We were there three or four weeks. Navy came out with a report that our ship had 145, 117 that had been killed. 28 of us got off. But the odd story, the first Sunday we was out at sea, 
one of the boys said, you know, we don't have a chaplain, we don't have a chapel. Said, I always went to church on Sunday. Said, I sure miss it. One of the other boys said, but I do too. Because I got a little New Testament. You've seen them at Gideon's pass out. He said, let's just sit here in our bunk, read a few scripture passages of scripture. Three or four join them. Next Sunday, three or four more. I can't suppose we ever have about a dozen. But we met every Sunday morning and had a little simple service. Out of those 28 that got off, every one of us that attended that little church service got off. Wow. That's not fiction. That's true. Yeah. Wow. So... My life has been protected, and I feel like led the way that God wanted me to go. You've been special, Bill, and and you you know, uh, um, Fane Haynes. I had him, and and we talked to him for a pretty good while, and uh, he always said he had an angel sitting on his back the whole time because there were a lot of times he should have been killed. Well, what you think about religion, I guess it's up to the individual. But I believe that God plans has plans not only for today, but years to come. Yeah. Maybe he knew she needed somebody to take care of her. <laughs> Whatever the wait a minute, it's whatever the plans were. How how old were you? Well, you don't know what the problems I've had. To take oh come care. on, come on, Bill. <laughs> how how old were you, Bill? How how old were you when this when you were there? I was nineteen. Nineteen years old. I was eighteen in May, and this in June. You know that's that. He has had, I wish we, has anybody ever thought about writing a book about your life? I, not that I know of. I have. Well, they sure should have. She stayed on to me. I wrote the account of my whole three years I was in the service uh, for my grandchildren. That's good. I have that, but it's not a, in a book form, it's just sort of. As it, I remember it. That's good. You have a photographic memory, and when you went back, and they wanted you to recreate what happened during that time, and you were over there, um, how did you feel? Because it, it with somebody who has your uh, mind, you would all, almost have to be reliving a lot of that. Well. We had to spend an afternoon in American Cemetery, one of the most sacred places I have ever been. Every blade of grass was cut just like trees and shrubs were perfect. You didn't see the first piece of litter. People were all over the cemetery, but you didn't hear a sound. It was very quiet. Over 9,000 buried there, 9,387, I believe it was. 
the only sound you ever heard. The bird would land in the tree, sing a few notes, then be on his way. We had two doctors with us. One of our doctors was buried there. We found his grave and spent quite a bit of time there. Then we just went to different graves, stand there, wonder what that individual had to offer it. if he hadn't lost his life. Would he have been a great attorney, great musician, accountant, a deadbeat? A whole lot of talent was buried right there. Same way with uh, Cemetery of Pearl Harbor. Freedom is the highest priced thing this country has ever bought outside the cost of tanks and planes and ships. The lives that have been lost. The tears that mothers have shed. The blood that has been you figure all that in, the price that we had paid for freedom, the national debt is pocket change to that debt. Yeah. And it, it, I have no time. I always love professional football. But when this guy refused to stand for the flag, I haven't watched the game since. Me either. I understand it. Mookie Betts. Great baseball player. Refused. I'm through with baseball. And you know, I love baseball as well as anybody. But if they don't have it, it's not freedom, it's respect. If they don't have respect for the price that's been paid for them to make millions, let them go to Mexico and make the millions. I, I just don't hesitate to speak out on that. And there's not enough. Not- enough people to do what you're doing i I know a lot of my people in my family and and i know in ronnie's too but it's it's something that we should not accept is that kind of of attitude and and they they don't understand what freedom really is and how it is about like you were saying well i think it goes back to our courts they don't, maybe they don't have laws, but something needs to be, uh, in our school, we don't teach patriotism anymore. Yeah. We've got, we've had foreigners come into this country and get into leadership roles that's leading us wrong. Yeah. The, the respect, no matter how you look at it, the veterans like you and those that are uh, have paid the ultimate price and the families that have paid the ultimate price. And, and you don't snub your nose at, at those things. And, you know, you, just like you say, what price freedom? Uh, all I have to do is, is sit here and look at you and all the things that you've gone through. And all, actually, we're in the millions of people that have served our country in in a way just to make sure that we still have that freedom here in in America and the freedom of choice. But a lot of these people take the freedom of choice, and and it's a whole lot more liberal than what it should be, and we should not 
allow those type of things. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not trying to analyze the problems of this country, but I think the breakdown of the family yeah. is a very important part of it. Yeah. Uh, I know things have changed a lot of for the good. When I was in high school, you was lucky if you had a bicycle to ride. Now, everybody's got a car. Uh, children are born into parents now. They don't realize the price has been paid. They start out with everything. They get married. They buy an expensive home, two cars, a boat. They can't do that. They're handicapped. My land, we started out, we were lucky to pay rent on the apartment. <laughs> but uh, that's just the way things have changed, I guess. Yeah. But I don't think our young people have been taught to have the proper appreciation. I think it goes back to my generation where we failed to. I know my daddy had a hard life. He wanted his children to have a better life than he did. I wanted my children to have a better life than what I did. That is built into us. But I think we are destroying ourselves when we fulfill that. It's recorded up there at the radio station, huh? Oh, Peggy, can you get us a copy I will do my best. Okay, I would appreciate Yeah, I'll call Brian. Brian may be listening now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he has just covered so much, and our children would really appreciate yes. that. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, I don't know if you remember, but Red Skelton did a um, sketch where he explained... Um, when when people stand up and they do the Pledge of Allegiance, he explained exactly what that was. And you can't listen to that without crying. You really can't. Uh, how this country got to be what it is and what it really means when you stand up and do the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, I will, um, I'll try to get a hold of Brian and uh, I, and uh, We'll get you a copy. I, I really would appreciate it. And if you'll have the copy, I'll come to you. Yeah. You're listening to Ida Lee. Bless her heart. She's now a radio star. <laughs> but they just can't see that pretty. Ronnie, that hair is just, just it, the most gorgeous hair I've glows. ever seen. It, it very much glows. Yeah, it, it, it really does. Bill, thank you so much for coming well, today. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, I, I love having you. I can sit and listen to you all day long. And, 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 uh, you're a special person. You, you, you've meant a lot to me over the years. Thank you very much. And Jackie much. loved you to death. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. And and Ronnie, sir, thank you so much for coming. And thank you for reaching out to the MED people yes, and, and what you've done. Not only that, but so many other things that uh, you, you stand up for the right things. And I, I really appreciate what you do. It's my pleasure. Yeah, and, and also for Pinnacle Bank, when when you had all those stimulus things coming through, you did not miss one person, and I appreciate that. We we did very well, and Jan did most of that work, as you yeah, know. Yeah, and she's done some things for me today. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning at night.
from Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. 